Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Here for lucky number 26 of the old Church Planner podcast. I got nothing. And on this episode, we're going to be discussing, um, I don't know, haircuts and how you get your head shaved. Yes, you must have, as Stadia pointed out years ago, the uh, the Mark Driscoll faux hawk. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I think if you're really going to go back to first century, you got to be bald. You know, you got to you got to follow in Paul's footsteps. So just you do have to be bald. Yeah, um, it's actually a, a measure of readiness for ministry. You know, you see guys come in the full head of hair. As they're kind of interning, they tend to usually sport a buzz, and then eventually when they go full slick, then you know. That guy's ready. <laughs> well, you know, you and I were discussing, um, was it First Corinthians earlier this week? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, men are not to have long hair. Pete, are, are you wearing a head covering right now while you're prophesying? I'm not prophesying. I, I, see, I'm Baptist. We, I don't even know what that means. But you're not Baptist anymore. In fact... <laughs> I don't know. I'm being courted. I, <laughs> <laughs> I would almost be tempted, not for theological purposes, but no, I can't say that. Okay, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, how cool is it that you can join an entire religion and you get to sport a special kind of underwear? You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I mean, I, I remember when I when I was in high school. I remember my buddy was a Mormon. I'm always like, dude, where's the underwear? You got it on right now? Like, dude, can you show me the underwear? And he would no, no, I'm I'm not wearing it. And I knew he was lying. He just didn't want to show me his underwear. It's magic. What What do you think? It, have you ever seen a pair? I, I've never seen the magic underwear. Yeah, no, I've never seen it. I would love it. We should Google it, Pete, and look up pictures. What is it supposed to do? Hey, we could sell it, because I bet there's like lots of people like me out there in Christendom where they're kind of a little bit jealous. 
Because like when I was a kid, I had underoos, and those were just awesome, man. I had like Yoda and Spider-Man and Superman. It would be cool if we had like Church Planner Magazine underoos. I had you the know, Flash. Like Ed Stetzer, Francis Chan. I had the Flash know. underoos, which, you know, as you start to hit teenager, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I'm just saying the Flash wasn't like the one to, to be when you're wearing underoos. And of course, right. I mean, what is, what's a teenager doing wearing underoos? I don't know, but you, you get All the right, point. All right, so. So we're starting a new thing on our comments on the iTunes uh, podcast reviews. Uh, if, if you have to add on there now, if you leave a comment, you have to add what is your favorite underoos. Like you can even make them up. Like they don't have to actually exist. You could be like, "Oh, dude, Foghorn Leghorn." You know, I say, I say, those are my favorite underoos. Do they have you know? Foghorn Leghorn? Do they even no, show that, that cartoon awesome. anymore? I don't know. I, I don't think they show any of that stuff. You know, anymore. the problem is a, a big part of our audience is international, and they're like, what are these guys talking about? Yeah, but even American audiences do that when I'm preaching. <laughs> well, what is true. this babbler saying? So what yeah, are we talking so, about today anyway? Well, <laughs> underoos. No, we're going to talk today about um, Mormons? your mission statement. Oh, <laughs> oh gotcha. We're going to talk about your vision statement, your mission statement. Don't freak out like we're going all business on you. The business world actually stole that term from the church, so we're going to take it back. Um, but, but the deal is, is we've talked already. Remember we talked about the three dates that every church planner needs to remember on top of his wedding anniversary. Well, one of the things that, uh, you know, probably uh, much to Joey Roper's chagrin uh, that happened last week is we only got through the first night. So everybody's thinking like, hey, what about the second and third? We're going to come back and talk, but we haven't completely finished talking about the first night. The reason why is because if you're going to share your vision with that group of people that are coming, you need to know how to communicate vision. And so the first thing to know is kind of like what Will Rogers said. He said, be careful when aiming for nothing. You might just hit it. You need to have vision. If you don't have vision, uh, then you don't know what you're supposed to do. Like the old scripture that's, I guess it's all old, but uh, <laughs> the verse from the Old Testament, not the New <laughs> Testament, but the Old Testament, uh, it, it actually says, my people perish for lack of vision. And I would say that there are many, many Christians, they don't have any vision now. And that's part of the the role of leadership is to give people vision, right? Uh, Moses is talking about the promised land. And he's so envisioned and casting vision. And, uh, you know, Jesus was always casting vision. Um, he tells them to the ends of the earth, you know, and to the end of the age, I'll be with you. Um, th- there was a vision statement there in the Great Commission, a mission statement. So what, what we want to do is we want to talk about these today and give the church planner the tools. So he's not scratching his head saying, well, what in the heck is that? And why should I have one? We want to let him know, hey, man, this is important as having a shotgun on your lap if you're riding on a stagecoach. Just saying. Mm. Love the Western, uh, you know, little analogy that you brought in there. That was nice. Thanks, dude. It was as random as me saying sassafras. Okay. All right. So um, let's kick it off then. All right. So Okay, so you think you know what you're going to do, right? Now, Paul says, I laid a foundation like a wise and master builder. Now, the first thing a wise and master builder is going to have is a blueprint, right? (laughs) Just show up. Hey, I think I'm going to build, you know, a building. And what's it going to look like? I don't know. I'm just going to kind of feel my way through it. Mm. And when I get there, I'll let you know. Um, They've never defined uh, many church planners what they're going to do. 
And so they have an impression. You're always going to have an impression or a gut feeling about what you're supposed to do. And for some people, it's kind of like an itch that can't be scratched in any other way than to plan a church. But you might not be uh, the kind of person that that's good about taking what's in your heart or what's in your head and really putting it down on brass tacks. And there's different personality taps, types. Um, for me, I always have to tell people, I appear on the ground to go very fast at times. Um, <clears throat> but the reality is I'm what they call a reflective theorist. I think about things and I mull it over, but I'm always part of the apostolic gifting is I'm thinking usually a few years ahead. Um, I'm not thinking about what's in front of me. You know, I thought about that a couple years ago. I'm usually thinking about where I'm going to be in the next few years. So like right now in my church plant, um, the vision that I had goes a lot further um, than just this plant. In fact, any church I plant nowadays, uh, it becomes a means to an end. The, the end is not that a church would be planted in inner city Long Beach. The goal was to plant a hub, which is going to open a gateway of church plants and train people up like crazy. And that vision is, is a big vision. I've got a lot more components to it. But, you know, you need to, whatever your personality type, you need to be able to put stuff down and to communicate it. Because you're going to be sitting there, just to refresh you, you're going to be sitting there on that vision night. That's what we call it, where everyone comes together. They're in your living room. They've got a, a hot mug of coffee and, you know, your wife is, is baked or you put an apron on and, and bake some pumpkin bread. And you're talking to them. These are people you've you've known, you've trusted. You need to go back maybe to uh, episode 23, 24, 25, and check out you know kind of the backstory on this. They're like the prequels to this. The force is strong with them, and you can listen and hear what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about these meetings where you're recruiting your core team, but you know the vision. They have to go away and be able to communicate it, and also hold on to it and not forget it. If that makes sense. Mm. It does. Because if you don't, you know, because if you don't understand what God's calling you to do, no one else is going to understand you. Well, you know, and I think too, you know, as I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, I, I can totally see a lot of church planners not really having a full vision of what it is that they're trying to accomplish. And part of that, though, does come in from the accidental church planners, right? The guys who, accidentally did a church plant. They didn't realize that's what they were even doing because they were just, you know, holding a Bible study at their their house and it turned into a church. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think for me, like, it, it's interesting you bring that up because when I was an accidental church planner at Starbucks, um, I still had a vision of if the church, because I, I remember feeling like at that time, like church is just in my way, like the system that exists you know, just get out of my way. You know, you're, you're not reaching the lost. I am, but you're actually holding me back. It's like when Jesus said, um, not only do you not uh, lift a finger to help, you know, uh, make a convert, but you actually oppose those who do. And so, you know, and Jesus was saying that the Pharisees were actually stopping him from reaching the lost. They were trying to put barriers. Not only will they not lift a finger, but they, they oppose those that do. So I, I felt like that with the church. And I, I remember having all this vision about, I know what God can do. And I, I know what church ought to look like. At that time, it was literally, I remember sitting in Starbucks and this is before all the books were written about, you know, the gospel according to Starbucks by Leonard Sweet. And there, you know, there's been a lot of books on, you know, the third place, but I was an employee and they had kind of bred that philosophy into me. And I remember thinking, this is how church ought to be. 
But thanks to Philip Yancey, who's going to be coming on the show uh, uh, in a few weeks here, he actually had said to me, yeah, or, I mean, he had written, we weren't talking then, he, he wrote in a book that church, uh, the first century church was probably most like uh, AA, and that stuck, I, that resonated, I knew hmm. that was right. I had worked, uh, you know, rehab and recovery back when I was a psych nurse, and uh, I knew that that was right. I remember sitting in there going, why doesn't church do this, man? People opening up and sharing. So I had a vision, even though I was an accidental planner. And I think a lot of guys will do, but I think you're right. I, I actually think it may be the guys who are just like, what are you going to do? And they're, they're planning. They're just like, I'm going to plan a church. Well, how are you going to do it? I don't know. I'm just going to plan a church. Well, <laughs> the other thing, too, that I see – in the church planning world, because of you know everything we do with the podcast and with uh, the magazine, uh, which by the way the new issue of the magazine's out on the newsstand, so go ahead and download that. Little uh, little shameless plug, ching. Even though it's, it's free. a great cover, isn't it? It's a great. It's it's actually an action shot. Pete and I have been on a side project doing more Pete, less me, but I'm I'm minutely involved, but. Something involving the MMA world, and uh, of course we are partners in New Breed with Fight Church. Uh, Josh Boyd, he's the chaplain for the MMA. But this uh, cover uh, is actually a dude getting punched in the head, and that that's just a great cover. <laughs> what do you? I mean, what more do you say? It's a dude getting punched in the head. Well, all I was going to say is that um, looking at how some church planners do it as well is they're also doing the whole big launch routine, right? Which is. Uh, we're going to be launching six months from now, and they're they're basically you know going for transfer growth, not necessarily uh, yeah uh, newly converted growth. And it's it it's a vision, and they're casting it for their core team. I'm I'm assuming right because yeah, how else do you get people on board? I I don't know what that well, vision looks like. It could be like our church is going to be better, and here's what's going to be better about it. Well, and, and what it tends to be, the way that, that often churches like that are defining success, their vision is just to get a room filled with people, you know, like almost like, you know, as if the Lord had spoke, a room you shall rent, thou must fill it with cheesed off Christians from other churches, and thus shall I bless it. You know, I, I just don't think that's the goal is to just cram a room full of a bunch of cheesed off Christians from other churches. And that's, that's, if that's what you're on about and that's what you're going to do, that's easy. But if you want to go into a community and actually impact that community and see people's lives change and save, um, you know, that, that's another story. And, you know, we in every podcast by saying, if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Um, the, the reality is that there's probably 95%, 90, and I'm, I'm guessing on that. I think I'm being generous. I, I know that it's less than 10% because most cities would, it would be a huge stretch for them to even be reaching 10% of their population. So it's in the 90 something percent. 90-something percent of people out there in the community you're going to plan and don't give a rip about what new church starts there. Hmm. They're not saved. They don't sit there in the bar over their beer going, hey, man, I heard there's a new church down the street, and I heard they play contemporary worship music. Oh, you don't say. Wow, we should go check that out. Or I hear the pastor's funny. Or I hear that they put movie clips in in, in the midst of the sermon, and they're in bite-sized chunks so that people can really handle them and understand. Um, no one gives a rip. You can you can do as many cartwheels and calisthenics as you want, man. Um, and you know, 
the God of Baal just ain't listening. You know, it, it, I'm going to bring up something here because you, you reminded me of it. A couple of weeks ago, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, you, were, uh, you weren't at church. I think you were playing hooky. I don't remember exactly what the reason was. <laughs> and I texted you in, in the middle of it because we were doing our worship. And, um, you know, first of all, we're in Long Beach, right, which is uh, – it's got everything. It's a huge city. It's one of the largest cities in California. Um, I think San Francisco is the largest, and I think Long Beach is technically the second largest by area. It not, ain't short beach. Count. Yeah. No, it ain't short beach for a reason. <laughs> so, I mean, there's everything, right? But we're in downtown Long Beach, and I don't know. What would you say? Would you say it's like our church right now is composed of maybe 30% white people, I don't know, 30 35% uh, Hispanic, Latino, and then, you know, the rest uh, black? I mean, does that sound yeah. about right? Yeah. Yeah. So – it was so funny. I mean, first of all, I've said it on the podcast before. I, I don't like praise music. It's just not something that gets me all excited. But I'm I'm listening to the music that we're doing, and I'm looking at our our audience. And the first thought that goes through my head is, "This is such white people music." Oh, <laughs> like, absolutely. And I'm absolutely. Like, I get that we're all you know originally from Orange County, and we've transplanted here. I mean, most of the white people that go to the church that is where we're all from, and the community is. Is not, and I mean, they still get into the music. I mean, you know, like yeah. uh, Garrett, who's had his life radically changed since we've been there. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's totally getting into the music and worshiping oh. God. But the thought just went Amazing. through my head is yeah. is I'm just like this music is not like if we really wanted to bring more people from the community, we need to have less white people music. Absolutely, like we need you know, more. I don't funny. I don't even know what it is. More salsa or something. No, you're right. <clears throat> and, you know, it, it's funny because, like, Garrett, man, like, case in point, right? Guy's a suicidal heroin addict, um, ready to end his life. And we throw these barbecues, you know, and we go up and start talking to him. And he's just, he's just going to kill himself, give his dog away, you know, boom, boom, boom. And dude, coolest fully gets pit bull in the world, too. I love that dog. Yeah, he comes to church. That pit bull doesn't bite people, though. No, but, that's the nice you know, pit bull. Still wouldn't let my son over by him, but still, it's the nice but, pit bull. But, you know, I mean, here's Garrett, man. To see him raising his hands on a Sunday, no one taught him that, you know. I mean, we don't have a bunch of people raising their hands, right? Their ex-cons are too cool. But this dude, he knew nothing about the gospel, like nothing. Um, I know because I was a guy talking to him, first contact. He knew nothing about the Bible, nothing about the gospel. And to see him lifting his hands, that is part of the vision of why God called me to plant this church in Long Beach. God did not call me to plant, um, and, and, and I'm not contradicting what you're saying. Like what you're saying is 100% right about the music, but like I would never plant a church and, and you'll hear planters sometimes like that's exactly, they're, they're just looking to plant a hipper version of what they came from because they think that would be neat. I don't think God gives a rip. Like what kind of music I play on a Sunday morning? Um, I don't think God does. I think people and the people you're reaching do. And yeah, that's what you're pointing out. Oh, absolutely. But I think when it comes to vision and mission statement, you're talking about what are the what are the directives, the mission directives from HQ, from headquarters. You know, what is it that God called you to do this for? So, like I said, businesses borrowed this term mission statement because a biblical church is always on mission. 
And a mission statement is going to help to make sure that you stay lashed to it, you know, kind of like uh, Jason the Argonauts, man, when they lash themselves to the to the mast of the ship when the sirens are calling, um, because the sirens are are always going to be calling you. So, you know, hurricane gale force winds are going to try to blow you off course, but you need to have your north star. You need to be navigating. Um, where, where God's called you to go and do what God's called you to do. And without a solid mission statement, you know, there's that, uh, any port will do in a storm philosophy, you know, <laughs> any port's a good, good port in a storm. You don't have to go into it like that. You can sit with the Lord, fast, pray, um, just even ask him. If you're like, Lord, I suck at prayer and I'm stupid about all this, that'll change in time. But, um, just start by being honest. God, I, I, you know, I'm hearing what Peyton and Peter saying, but, I actually don't know, Lord, and I'm feeling kind of stupid, and I need you to help me out. God loves those kind of prayers. Mm. Yeah. So I don't even know what made me get off on that, but just um, – That's perfect, man. I don't perfect, know. I just uh, – when I think of mission and, and you know, trying to reach people, I mean, that's – and I've told you this. What's really gotten me all fired up about church planning and even, you know, just in my own relationship with God – is it's it's actually seeing the stuff you talked about in Sunday school growing up happening. It's yeah. it's seeing what it's like on the front line. And that's why just that one Sunday I was so struck by the music. Yes, people are getting into it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, absolutely some people like my <laughs> wife, we've talked about this. My wife loves praise music. I can't stand it, but that's me. That's a personal thing. And I'm just sitting there thinking, yeah, you know what? This crowd, this is like white people music <laughs> like yeah it's total white people music well I we mean, started approaching the different uh you know the different ethnicities in the church and saying hey man what do you guys got you know do you know people do you got you know hip-hop do you got this and i ideally in a racially mixed congregation i think you ought to rotate people so well you know that's uh, the other thing too um coming up in one of the future issues of the magazine we interviewed uh derwin gray at exponential and um, he talked about the music that they do at their church because they've got a very uh, interracial church, and um, you know how they've they've mixed in a little bit of the Latin flair and how uh, you know some of the hip hop flair. And, yeah. I mean, and and something that someone else said it could have been at one of our retreats uh, or, or conferences that we went to. But something that that really and it could have been something on Twitter. I, I don't even remember where I heard it or read it, but I just remember it had a real impact on me. And the line was, um, heaven isn't going to be segregated, so why are our churches? Mm, yeah. Yeah, it, it's really cool. Like uh, right now, the um, like guys like Southern Baptist, like Eric Mason, he's a brother of another color. And, uh, you know, you, you're finding right now that a lot of the kind of white movement, um, you know, in church planning – is getting interrupted by, and that's a good thing, man. I mean, I got two racially mixed daughters. So, I mean, you know, the Jones family is, uh, you know, it's quite a kaleidoscope of color, but, um, the reality is you, you're starting to get now, um, people from these other groups weighing in on the conversation, which is absolutely brilliant. It's only going to enrich us. There was a stupid, uh, conversation this week, um, broke out all over the internet, um, uh, about hip hop and, um, is it, is it, you know, uh, should Christians, I mean, I, you know, there are times on the internet where I just feel like 
you know, I, I'm not getting like this is too stupid to even stop for. Um, sometimes, it, you know, it's going to sound weird, but I want to help church planners out because this is a good thing to to kind of tuck away for future reference. There's a couple things when you're planning a church, people are going to want to fight with you about all kinds. Nehemiah, man. I'm doing a work for God right now. I can't come off this wall and come talk to you, Sam Ballot, Tobiah. I'm sorry, man. I don't got the time. Number two, uh, Paul tells people, you know, he tells Timothy, have nothing to do with a foolish and stupid argument. Um, in my book, that hip hop argument was foolish and stupid. What was, tell was everyone just, what the hip hop argument was so they understand what you're talking about. Somebody said that the, the, the hip hop should not be combined with the gospel because, uh, the hip hop lifestyle is not conducive to a lifestyle which glorifies God on and on and on. And it came from the eggheads. It came from the reform sector. And, um, and that's, you know, it's fine. Some of the guys that were on the panel are guys I respect greatly. There was a panel kinda, for it. There was a panel at a conference and in, in honesty, <laughs> the conversation got away from its original intention and people just started making state. And then there was a lot of misunderstanding. One of the, the guys came out and said, Oh, I actually meant in public worship, not, um, not just gospel hip hop as if there were a difference. Like, Oh, it's okay to play it out, you know, but not in the church. It, it just got really weird. And, you know, and, and I just church planners, the reason I'm, I don't want to get into it, but here's the deal. Um, remember those verses because there's going to be times where you're just like, I really don't have to comment on this. I really don't have to get involved in this discussion. And sometimes it'll be in your local church. You're just like, oh, thank you. You know what? Uh, <laughs> I remember saying stuff like that because I, I just have no time for Phariseeism. So I'll say well, stuff like, hey, I to- you know, Tim, oh, I sorry, told you when, when you first mentioned that whole thing to me, I just started laughing because I mean, there's been like, Christian I've been saying hip-hop. this for years. Yeah, I'm like, they're, they're like 25 <laughs> years late to this discussion. Like, it's so old. It's so old, it's almost out again. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, you're ridiculous. You're totally ridiculous. Dude, it is so funny, too. Like, when you see Pete rolling up in his car, he does not listen to white boy music. He, It's like his car is like, boom, boom. And it's like, <laughs> it's I not- got the power. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, I actually it's I listen to it everything. I listen to everything except <laughs> for country, man. I I literally cannot. I'm like this is hor- country and praise music, which are ironically my wife's favorite things to listen to. Country and yeah, praise man. music. If a guy ain't slobbering all over the mic and getting static in it because he's yelling so hard, it's probably not my kind of music. But see, I actually Although, I like Beethoven. I like Bach. I love classical music, which just yeah, boggles have- my wife's mind. Yeah, I get how I can listen to shames in my in my iTunes library, which we will not discuss. But <laughs> I, I feel you, brother. But but here's the thing, right? Um, you know, I would say to people at times in a church planning scenario, because it and it ties back in with this that you have to have your mission statement. Your mission statement keeps it from going in all these different directions. You're going to find people wanting to come and take and make your church something they want it to be. Um, maybe you know, it's like a uh, a version of a church that they either fantasized about or a conglomeration of churches that they come from. So they might be like, well, in this church, I really like this. In this church, I really like that. And I like this one over here. 
and they're kind of like church tasters, you know, like wine tasting. They're, they're, mm, it's got a nice fruity aroma. I like that about that church. And then they come together and they want to tell you how to bottle it up for, because it's their idea of church. Well, your idea of church and my idea of the ideal church aren't going to be the same. But I just remember when people would come saying, you know, we really in corporate worship, we should this or we shouldn't have pictures of Jesus on the overhead and we're singing. And I just, I would just look at them and kind of with a smirk and a sense of humor because everything at a certain point to me becomes funny. Um, keeps me from smacking people if I laugh at it instead. But, uh, at a certain point, I'm like, you know, I'll say, you know, uh, Paul says not to have anything to do with a foolish and stupid argument. You know, this kind of qualifies. So I'm going to defer on talking about this, you know, and, and <laughs> people just, you know, people are like, I'm done. I'm at it. But for me, my I've seen people is, try and, and say, come back to you on Facebook and say, well, are you saying that I've got a foolish argument? Blah, blah, blah. And, and you just ignore them <laughs> after that. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, I, I've said it. I mean, no matter what, that's hanging out there now. And that's where I end stuff. If I don't want to talk about it, I end, and it has to be foolish. I don't just whip it out there like, you know, like, you know. Like you're putting a, a smackdown on someone because you disagree with them. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the, but when it's really stupid and it's just trolling, you know, and people troll. You don't need the Internet to troll, man. Um, you know, read the, the epistles, man. Those are basically written because you had people trolling in the church and Paul has to put the smack down on them. But, but, you know, going back to the main thrust of our topic, right? And that does, that does, you, you have to be able to rally. It's like a rally point in military, right? Um, I love what, uh, Eisenhower said, um, with D-Day. He said, before the battles join, plans are everything. But once the shooting begins, plans are worthless. Mm. And that is so stinking true because once you're on the ground, man, you're like kind of like D-Day. You're scattered behind hedgerows and your weapons didn't make the drop with you and you're running through the darkness, you know, with your knife out, you know, hoping you don't run into any Jerry's. Not the Jerry's that listen to this show, but I mean like Germans. And, uh, you know, so you're you're a little bit disorganized. But in World War II, they had what was called rally points. And rally points were, um, they would have certain places. They said, if you get lost, look for something like this and we'll all meet there. And so they would meet at the rally point. Well, your vision statement is rally point. It's a place to always come back together and to, um, basically say, this is what God's called me to do. I don't know a whole lot else, but while it's all hitting the fan, I'm doing this. Hmm. Now, now is the, um, state, your, your mission statement, is that something that's supposed to be written out or is it just, you know, you talk about it and this is what our vision is or. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you, uh, you need to write it down. Um, and I, and I'm going to come to that because. And by the way, really, is, is the mission statement different than a vision statement or is it the same thing? Yes. The vision statement is different. Um, the, the reason why is because, um, the vision statement is what you want to see, right? Like what, how, you know, obviously you're called into a community to see it transform. So the vision statement is something like, um, we, you know, we want to see, let's say, like, take your town's name, you know, um, I might say in Wales where there's not, you know, there's like whole like towns that are devoid of gospel witness. I might say to provide a gospel witness, you know, to saturate, um, such and such town with the gospel or something like that. That's what we're going to do, right? That's the vision. Or to see a town transformed, you know, with uh, people who 
uh, you know, from brokenness to restoration to see families for generations, blah, blah, blah. blah. So, you know, it's, you're, you're almost kind of looking at what do you want to see in the future? It's as if God took you on the crest of a hill, showed you the city and said, and asked you the question, what do you want to see? Now, you're supposed to be hearing that from him, but I'm just reversing it just to kind of give you some context. If God asked you, what do you want to see in this town? What do you, what does its future look like? What do you see? Right? Like, so if you, if you imagine, you know, John Calvin rolling into Geneva, who would have ever thought that that place would become uh, the city it was? But John Calvin had a vision. Of course, he was always trying to run from Geneva, and they had to keep stopping him um, from leaving. He never wanted to stay there. I feel like that with church plans. But at the end, the guy's ministry, so the whole city was transformed. Um, Geneva became like this like Protestant mecca you know, for the gospel. So, um, so what do you want to see? And, and don't be small about it. You know, like if, if God's telling you crazy stuff, put that in your, in your vision statement, aim high. Right. And, and just to say every time God calls somebody in scripture, he gives them a vision, right? What, what did he tell the 12? You know, you read Acts, Pete, what does he tell the 12 at the beginning? Uh, I don't have my Bible in front of me. I don't know. <laughs> You're like, never do that to me again. Um, he tells him, then he? he says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. I bet it on audiobook, man. <laughs> yeah. So he um, says, you're, the Holy Spirit on you, on ordinary people, is going to make you powerful, and you're going to go to the ends of the earth. Boom. You know, and, and what I think is really interesting about that, because i got to bring this up, because you brought up Acts. But it's it's amazing to me how much of Acts is focused <clears throat> on the Holy Spirit. And Absolutely. And I just, I don't see that in our churches today. I mean, I, I yeah. hear it all the time at our church, probably yeah. because it's so, um, it, it's something that you've come to, to really rely on. Hey, we need the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, you know, we see that in the book of Acts, but I mean, growing up, I, I growing up, I, I mean, I know this is off the subject, but the Holy Spirit never made any sense to me, um, uh, you know, we're told that it's God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and growing up, it was God the Holy Ghost. And at one point, you're yeah. being told, okay, there's the Holy Ghost, and then as a kid, you're also being told, and by the way, there's no such thing as ghosts, <laughs> right? Yeah. So imagine the mixed signals this sends to a kid. Yeah. And then we never talk about the Holy Ghost, ever, never. It well, was, you know, It's funny, because if I'm looking at vision, that's what I want to do, or what I want to see in future— the mission statement involves the the what, the who, and the how, and sometimes the when. And so the how is the Holy Spirit. I mean, you've rightly identified it's It's in there in the book of Acts because they're given this impossible vision. Yeah, okay, you 12 guys, go reach the end of the earth. Well, and, and they also Jesus, check, like when they, they first started reaching the Gentiles, and it was like the proof that God yeah. was reaching out to the Gentiles. Look, see, <laughs> let me tell you what the Holy Spirit did. And then they're like, well, praise God then. God must yeah. have this for the Gentiles as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it, like was, it was like the, the litmus impossible. test. It was crazy. Yeah. It was the litmus test. Yeah. Oh, the Holy Spirit yeah. showed up. Well, then God's in it. And the, Absolutely. And now today it's like ignored. And according to some pastors, it's because man could supposedly contain God when he closed the canon. But anyway, that's a whole other subject. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if you read Church Zero, cha-ching, um, it. <laughs> It will actually talk about, 
you know, kind of my little philosophy of how we've all scattered. There, there, I was sitting across the table from a guy um, Wednesday morning. I meet with a group of guys uh, every week, and um, just because I need their input in my life, and they're they're up, you know, kind of where I'm at. I travel to plant right now, but um, these guys are local. And and this guy, you know, he's an evangelist, and he was over in uh, Africa. And always my theory, and I put this in church zero, cha-ching, is that when you're on the front lines, you see the Holy Spirit more. Well, the, you know, the scripture marries mission and power, mission and the Holy Spirit. If you're not a mission, you're not going to see the power of the Holy Spirit. Why would God give you the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit is given so you'd be my witnesses. He will come on you with power so you'd be my witnesses. So you got to go out there and do risky stuff. You have to be committed to the mission. And so we're talking about mission statement. God, why did you call me here? Why do you want me to go there? And so I'm sitting across the table from this guy, and he's like, yeah, man. You know, we saw a deaf guy healed. We saw a woman who is shriveled up, just like in the Bible. She was walking, everything unshriveled. Uh, that didn't sound right, but uh, her, her hands and her, you know, everything was shriveled up. She was, you know, contorted and she was made straight and she walked in the church and everyone just cheered. And it's a witness. That power, as Paul says, I came to you not just in word only, but in power in a demonstration of the Spirit's well, power. You know, in this uh, issue of the Church Planner magazine, we've got an article from Dr. Walter Martin, who's, of course, yeah, uh, baby past now but his uh his daughter uh reached out to us and and wanted us to include some stuff from him and it's called uh I've got legs and it's about you know he wasn't a very charismatic guy and he was asked to go to this thing for a buddy of his and he's like you know I'm really tired I I you know I've been preaching like crazy and he's like oh I don't want you to preach just just come and visit and of course as soon as he gets there oh you don't have to preach but just share a few words <laughs> and, and then this guy comes up to him afterwards and is like, hey, you know, do you believe that God can heal? And he's on crutches, right? I think he was on crutches or a cane or something like that. And uh, yeah. he's like, well, yeah, I believe it. And he's like, well, you know, would you pray for healing for me? And he's like thinking in his head, I'm not a charismatic. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't believe, you know, necessarily. He goes, so I see this nun. He's, he was like, I'm a Baptist, man. I'm a Southern Baptist. <laughs> right. He goes, he goes, and I see this nun. And so I call her over because I needed all the charismatics <laughs> I could get. <laughs> and they pray and the dude is able to walk like yeah. from that moment on. And, What's and great it, about that story is it it's kind of like his first time. You know, yeah. where he's actually seen this and he's so honest. I love that about Dr. Martin. Um, we, we actually, uh, it's funny because, um, I actually, uh, in correction, I actually reached out to, to them because, uh, there are a few guys on my left hand that I can count with my finger and say that dude had an incredible anointing. Dr. Martin's one of those dudes and, uh, he had a very unique, uh, ministry. Um, and you know, it's kind of like how it says in Judges when Joshua dies and there arose a generation who knew not Dr. Martin. Um, it, it's kind of like, uh, we are impoverished for not knowing the ministry of Walter Martin. He was a founder of Christian Research Institute. Um, and we are in partnership with them now. So, uh, that's official, baby. Every month we'll be hitting them for articles or audios. It's got some of Walter Martin's audio. You can't get that from CRI anymore. Um, and so you can go to waltermartinministries.com and get a lot of his messages all free. They're not out to make a buck, but I'm telling you what, um, that is one of the most exciting things 
that's happened. But what's great about Dr. Martin is he does, he just, he just shares like he's making fun of himself, like great man of faith that I was, you know, right. Uh, I, this and that, but you know, goofing off, but man, it is a powerful testimony, but you know, if we get back, you know, kind of what we're talking about is, you know, that mission statement, that's the how. So any mission statement's going to have your what, your who, your when, and your how. And so Jesus hardwires into their mission statement, Acts chapter 1, um, he says to them, you know, you'll receive power. And so that's the how. And so I think for all of us, that's a good check. If you would put something about being spirit-empowered or stepping out in faith and risk, those things need to be put in your mission statement so that you're being held accountable because you can make a church about you mm. and the world needs for your church not to be about you. Um, the, the world is waiting for a church that is a missional catalyst so that the average Christian that comes through your door ends up just getting absolutely vivisected and having DNA, missional DNA spliced into their genes so they become this like dangerous weapon in the hand of God, man, this powerful thing, you know, kind of like that's what happened in the early church. The average believer was powerful because of the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Spirit. But yeah, real quick. Yeah. Yeah, do, do, you have was, a, do you have a sample of a mission statement? I do not with me now. You know what? I, I purposefully try not to give people um, the mission statement simply because I want them – well, like in New Breed, for example, um, what I do is I ask people just to do it because I don't want to get in the way and I don't want them to copy me. I want them to hear from the Lord. And if, and if it sucks and they throw it at me, I at least have heard something of – um, their heart. And I think I get it. And so I might help them kind of tinker it. And, and that's important, by the way, you, you need to be bouncing this off of other people. You can't just, you know, be expected to one shot this thing, share it with people, test it before that first night. Um, make sure to talk to your wife about it. She might add to it. You know, people push it and pull it. And, uh, it's kind of like the doctor do little push me, pull me, you know, it, it, it gets, you know, goes this way, goes that way. And you're stretching it and pulling it and pushing it. And eventually you're like, yes, that's what God's calling me to do. Because it's in your heart, it's in your mind, but it needs to be put down on paper. And so, yeah, I mean, I always have guys, and, and most of you out there, you've never written one, unless you're like a CEO, uh, you've never written one. But you need to be able, you need to be able, not me, I, I can't tell you, but you need to be able to say what your mission is. And so for that reason, I always have guys hit me raw then I hit him back. And, and sometimes like, for example, Jimbo, Jimbo hit me, uh, one of our planners hit me with one and it sucked. And <laughs> Jimbo listens to the show, but, but it, I saw his heart. But what I said to him is, how are you going to do that now? The how was missing. Hmm. And, um, and, and it was great. He hit me back with something that just, it was, it was actually a great example. And so, what I like to do is just have guys hit me no matter how bad it sucks, and then I will work with them on that, what it's going to look like. So, um, yeah. And, and, and your mission statement, remember now, the word mission is hardwired into it. So uh, you're not just seeking to grow the church upwards. Like, I just want a big church. You're looking to grow it outwards. That's what mission does. Mission goes outwards. It doesn't build upwards. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too. This is a, a, again, a side story, but it's, it's on target with what you're saying about reaching out. Um, 
this week had to drive out to uh, to Las Vegas for the MMA stuff that we're we're working on with uh, Josh Boyd, and um, so I had a long drive. So on the way out, I was listening to uh, an audio book, um, Francis Chan's Forgotten God. On the way back, I was listening to uh, Francis Chan's uh, Crazy Love, and um, he told a story in Chapter Two of Crazy Love of uh, this little girl. 12 years old who um, basically is is taking all of the money that she's got, all the money that she earns doing chores, whatever, and is buying Bibles because she wants to give them to her friends who aren't saved. Mm. And this is this little girl's heart. And, um, you know, some of the local pastors found out about what they were, what she was doing. And so they, you know, they donate all these Bibles to help her reach her goal. But her 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 heart at 12 years old was yeah. spreading the gospel. Amen. I want to reach people. And, I, you know, I think back, what, what do we do with people who are 12 years old? I mean, do we encourage well, them like that? Yeah, totally. And I, and I love that you brought that up because that's exactly, that's the kind of faith like a child, man, that a vision statement needs to have and a mission statement. It needs to have that heart. Like, that heart is precious, man. Like anyone coming, let's say like that girl, right? She was able to take that heart and no one restrained her and she was able to do what she did and everyone got behind her and the church had that heart. I'm telling you, people that walked in, they would just be like, this place is different. That's what happens with a church plant that's being directed by the Holy Spirit. People walk in and they feel it. They feel God's God being on mission. Yeah, God is there. His presence is there. And they sense it. See, the world's had enough of churches that are out for themselves. And young people have already made their minds that churches aren't about people. They're just about the institution because they are giant money-making machines. And so they kind of stay from a distance and they smirk and they, they, you know, their number one question is, are you for me? Are you against me? Right. Or are you for yourself? Right. And your mission statement keeps you from becoming all about yourself because and wasn't church- it wasn't it your article in um the leadership magazine where you were talking about the lesbian gay community transgender yeah. community and yeah your point was you know the church rejects them and they found a community that accepts them absolutely there's and, been some know, incredible facebook comments from uh there's one lesbian who's on there and she's come out of that lifestyle but she said it started with the church that accepted me and actually put me on worship team when i was in a gay relationship but and and she goes you know i i i said to him you know like the pastor like but i'm gay you know and he says that's okay you're here and uh i prayed and the lord told me to put you on this worship team and she got saved man and you know she repented and her lifestyle changed and you know she she had a lot of stuff to say um weighing in on that article it was really uh really kind of neat you know cuz people saw my you know the article's going to generate a lot of heat obviously but uh but yeah i mean you know the the reality is is that um anytime god calls somebody uh to to do anything he always gives them a mission statement you'll see this in the scriptures you go through like moses right he doesn't just say to Moses, hey, um, Moses, uh, you know, uh, you know, just leave what you're doing. He, he gives him vision. He says, I'm, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be these plagues and I'm going to have you stand in front of Pharaoh 
and you're going to lead my people. You're going to say, Pharaoh, let my people go, and I'm going to work for the glory of my own name, and I'm going to do these miraculous things, and then I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk. And Like, God gives them. If they're like, Moses, what are we doing? He's like, okay, this is this is what's going down. This is the vision. We're going to have our own land. It's not going to be here. We're not starting a revolution. He knew exactly what he was going to do because God spells it out to him at the very beginning. Same with Paul, right? Like, uh, if you go to Paul in Acts 26, he's giving his... Uh, uh, you know, his testimony. And it's, it's the famous one where he's, he's before Agrippa. And, mm, uh, yeah, he, he says, you know, Jesus appeared to me in the Hebrew language. I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Hard for you to kick against the goats. And I said, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting, but rise and stand on your feet for I've appeared to you for this purpose. Ah, here comes a mission statement, baby. <laughs> To appoint you as a servant and witness the things in which you have seen me. Okay, so I'm going to be a servant. How does Paul start all of his letters? Paul, a servant. Where do you get that from? Jesus. Jesus told me, you're going to be a servant. If you need that, the first thing you tell me, you're going to be a servant now, okay? Um, so Paul's like, I'm a servant. That's what Jesus, that's the mission I'm on, okay? Uh, he goes on and he says, uh, to appoint you a service and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. So things you've already seen, things you haven't seen yet, but you're going to see more. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Okay, so it looks like I'm going to have a rough road. <laughs> Jesus is going to keep having to deliver me. I'm going to see his power, and uh, I'm being sent to them. Well, for what? More mission statements. Stay tuned. Verse 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now that is a mission statement. And Paul knew uh, hardcore. And so whenever God calls you, he's going to give you one. You just may not have Jesus appear to you on a road when you're on your way somewhere and spell it all out <laughs> That'd for you. That'd make it so much easier. <laughs> But, you know, hey, you may, here's the good news. You may just have to spend some time with Jesus and ask him yourself. But um, I love Paul's response. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So God gives him a vision, a mission statement, and he says, and I obeyed it. Man, that's, I was all about that. Was it then? Because Paul gives it three times in the book of Acts, his his story. Was it at that time when uh, Agrippa was like, are you telling me this? Are you trying to convert me? <laughs> and Paul's like, you and anyone else who's listening. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. Paul's like, Take I know number. I'm not alone in here with you. There's guards. <laughs> There's... Let me tell you, here's the deal, you know? Why? Why? I'm so glad you asked that, brother. <laughs> Let me tell you what I'm aiming for. You know, it's so funny because uh, the Apostle Paul, man, he just he had a sense of humor, and that comes through there. When he says that, you know, you almost picture him winking, hey, not just you, pal, you know. But, yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting, though, because imagine a church that's so on mission that you've got more than just, like, the one 12-year-old girl who who is on mission, but, like, everyone is on mission. Like, to me, that just fires me up to even think yeah. of a church like that, where it's not just about... Every other church I've gone to in my life, right, where, you know, Sunday we go, we get some great learning in, I feel really good about it, and then I leave and I go home, and that's it. But it's yeah, people who are just on fire, you know. Um, one of the other stories that 
that uh, Francis Chan talked about in Crazy Love was um, another uh, little kid who had adopted like 14 of those poor African child deals, you know, the $30 a month, they'll take care of a, of a, of a kid. And I mean, and this is someone who was like a teenager who had like, you know, basically no money. Yeah. And still had said, look, I'm going to find a way to pay for 14 kids so I can take them out of poverty. I mean, that kind of commitment, that kind of love. I mean, I mean, that's why, you know, Francis put it in there, right? Because he's talking about the the crazy love. But Well, dude, it's contagious. So, like, picture now you're the leader. You've got this passion and this vision, and you're sharing the mission statement. The mission statement, the vision is what, you know, what you're aiming for, what you're going to see. The mission statement is how you're going to accomplish that, you know, uh, why you exist and how you're going to accomplish it. So. Excuse me. But uh, what's going to happen is the mission statement is where you're like, hey, you know, insert name here, right? That's where you want them to go, dude, I'm a part of this. See, like when you start with a vision statement, you should be really passionate. And that passion, like that little girl, that should translate um, to other people. That should be contagious. If I was around that girl, I guarantee you. I'm going to be like, yeah, man, you know, cause she's realistic. She's, she's measurable. She's saying, Hey, I'm going to take 14. I know exactly how much it takes to do that. And I'm going to, and you watch people with that kind of commitment. I mean, we read about Paul and we're all inspired, right? Read about Wesley and Whitfield who they said about, uh, Wesley that by the time, uh, by, by the time eight o'clock rolled around every morning his detractors were just getting out of bed but he had already ridden a hundred miles on horseback and preached two sermons no joke right so you know and and when he was riding on horseback he tended to spend about three hours in prayer um, sometimes up to five so uh you just you know you you look at that and you're like you can't be around a person like that who's so dedicated and committed and not just be like man but you know, here's the thing, though. That. Here's what I think the mission statement really benefits in in these situations. Because one of the points that that Chan brought up that I completely agree with is how many people in the church are going to be like, "Look, you're doing enough. You don't need to keep pushing yourself." You know, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, it's time to start looking out for yourself." Yeah, you know, it's great <laughs> that you're doing all this, but. You know, little girl, if you really want to go to college, you better start saving up, you know, some of your your money for your own college because you're, you're spending it on all these kids. I mean, how much of that is going on in the church where they are watering down on, yep. on you know, the, the vision that you've been given? But yep. by having a mission statement that's written out, this is this is our vision. This is our mission. This is how we're going to do it. How powerful is that when someone comes to you and says, you know, uh, you're, you're doing enough? Yeah. Because really, when, can you do enough? That's my question. And I don't think no. there, I don't think you can. I mean, if you nope. truly are going to be led by the Holy Spirit. And, and, you know, one of the things that I got this week, I think this was in uh, the Forgotten God book that really had a, 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 an impact on me is so many of us just wish God would tell us what his plan is for us. I mean, I know that's yeah. the way I am. God, tell me, you well, know, what's, what's your plan for me? That's right and, on topic, man. Right. And God's like, I'm not going to tell you what my plan is. I don't owe you anything. I want yeah. you to rely on me and be led by me. Led by me yeah. does not mean I'm going to give you the plan. Led by me means I'm, I'm going to lead you 
and in faith you're going to follow me. Absolutely. And and let's let's be real. I mean, I I plant churches and move on. So it may be, you know, that that the church needs that mission statement because it needs the people in it to be so transformed that when you take off, they're still focused on that. They're still, you know, focused on the loss. They're still focused. So the mission continues because you can have a big church, but the mission has stopped, right? So your mission statement, make sure that as your size grows, your mission gets bigger, broader, and more powerful. Mm. And so when you're talking about like, um, I liked what you said there, uh, we were talking about like, you know, stop, slow down, settle back, you know, rest on your laurels a bit. You've worked hard. Um, most churches are, are frustrating to church planners because of that very thing that that's, it's just kind of like business as usual. So when, 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 it, when I'm coaching a church planner, I usually catch him while they're still serving in another church and they're just super frustrated. And I like them to write their mission statement down on paper when they're all hot and bothered, you know, about the condition of the church, huh. perishing of the loss or their personal fright. Like I like it when they're upset. And, and, and it's kind of best to write this on a, when you've had a bad day, right? <laughs> Cause you don't hold back. There's like this raw, unbridled emotion that helps you get to the core of what you have been feeling, right? Uh, you ever just like when you're really angry, you say what you really feel, you know, cause you're not trying to be all polite. Well, um, <laughs> sometimes I get these things, man. And like, that's cause I know, don't it's... censor myself, man. <laughs> but you know, it, Sometimes when I read these, it's like they self-destruct in flames. You know, they're so fiery, man. They're all spicy. And, you know, uh, before I finish looking over, it's like they turn to ash like on a cartoon. But the passion is there. There's like a fire in the bones. And there's even a prophetic kind of like, <clears throat> you know, like it, it, think about it. The stuff that the prophet said about Israel, you could never go to a church and say that. Like you guys are, you know, the shepherds, you, you're out to fatten yourselves. You know, this is the stuff that got prophets killed. You, you will, you will be the kid who smells and they will make you eat your sack of lunch in the hall. If you talk like this, um, Isaiah got sawn in half in the middle of a log. So look, um, you know, Jesus said, which of the prophets did they not stone? Jesus goes to the establishment and is like, Hey, you know what? Like, which of them did you not kill? You know, you're going to kill me too, because I'm not, you know, he makes a whip in the temple. I I know that we don't like guys that are just all self-righteous and proud and arrogant and they go and, but we're quote, quoting Walter Martin, man, he went on TBN years ago and he's sitting with uh, Paul and Jan Crouch and he said, the church is suffering from a case of non-Rockabotus. And mm. he says, that's a disease that's in the church right now. Everyone wants to be liked and everyone wants to be pro, uh, 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 popular and this and that. And, uh, they had coached him before not to say anything against Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, or anything that might be controversial. They had coached him before he went on stage. And so that had really ticked him off. You know, he's like, Hey, man, I, I got a ministry. I got something to say. And, uh, so, so, uh, Paul Crouch, who just passed away this week, leaned over to him and said, Are you saying, Dr. Martin, that you want to rock the boat? He goes, I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. but man, just imagine, you know, the balls that it takes to yeah. be that kind of a Christian, to be like, I will burn every bridge there is if it means I'm serving Jesus Christ. But see, that's what Francis Chan is doing, right? That's what a mission statement, if, if your core team is not transformed, 
at the end. And this will happen, guys. I promise you. There's a couple things. Number one, if grace is the foundation of everything, and I mean everything, you will have people sitting there in tears, crying, saying, I forgot all this. I forgot about the cross. I forgot about God's compassion. You need like a super big bolus of that before you launch out because the world needs that, right? The lost need that. And so, you know, there are certain things, but, but also this commitment, this, this diehard guys, not, not what's it going to cost, but what's it going to take? Like, if this stuff's true, man, like the guy who, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but the guy who, uh, you know, the famous criminal that was walking to death row, I think I did. And they, he turned around to the chaplain walking him down the long hallway to the, you know, to the, to the gallows. In the 1800s, and he says, "Do you really believe that?" And the guy kind of taken back said, "Yeah, I do." And the guy said, "If if I believed that, I would walk hundreds of miles on my hands and knees on broken glass to tell people about a truth so wonderful as that." And you know, like you said, you know, in in the business of saving saving souls and rescuing them from hell, is is anything we do too much? William Booth asked, "Can we go fast enough?" Yeah, you, you know, know what what's what's interesting is is um I was listening obviously to to Chan's Crazy Love book. And before he told the story about the twelve year old uh girl who spent all of her money on Bibles to give to her friends <clears throat> excuse me, who weren't saved, um he told the story of this dude, you might remember it, Peyton, who was at a funeral and all of a sudden <coughs> he just felt led to just preach the gospel of Jesus Christ at the funeral. And so he's going off and he's like, you don't know when you're going to die. And when you do, it's too late. The moment, you know, it's too late. You know, like if you're about ready to be in a head on car accident, it's too late. You're not, I mean, it's, it's over. And he went and he sat down and he dropped dead right there. Right Mm. after he said, you have no idea when it's going to happen to you. And his mother and his son tried to resuscitate him. And they couldn't, of course, and uh, and he died right there. And his son says to Francis when Francis found out about this, he I think it was Francis. Um, he goes, "Did you hear? Did you hear what happened to my dad? Did you hear how it happened?" He goes, "One minute he's preaching about Jesus Christ, and the next minute he's standing before him." Wow! And just I mean, imagine first of all, if you're you're a kid, right? You just lost your dad, and that's what you saw, and. Uh, but but I mean that's that kind of of passion that you want your core team to have. That's and it's, awesome. It's infectious, right? And yeah. and when you have that mission statement, and when people start to do the whole you know water down Christianity bit, you know, and and Chan even told the story of uh, he went on a missions trip and he came back and he realized you know what we're gonna sell our house. We're gonna take our I don't know if he had three or four kids at the time. We're gonna we're gonna downsize and move into something smaller <laughs> and. In doing that, you know, he had people in the church saying, you know, that's really not fair to your kids. You know, that's not good for – and he's like, look, we need to give more money to the poor like Jesus commanded us to do. You know, and here's a guy who took all the money he got from – was it Crazy – I think it was Crazy Love, all of his royalty from Crazy Love, a couple million bucks, and just decided to, to, to give it away. At that um, time, to insect trafficking, yeah. yeah. It was $2.2 million at that time. I'm sure it's like doubled or maybe tripled from there uh, yeah. since then. 
And that and the the thing that really got me though is that story of that twelve year old girl mm-hmm. and and buying all those Bibles. When she was fourteen years old, a freshman in high school, she dies in a head on car accident. Yeah. And over fifteen hundred people showed up at her funeral because of the See? impact this little freaking twelve year old girl had on people. And it's I'm like so driving and I, I'm pouring down tears, dude, as I'm driving. <laughs> I literally was like, I gotta pull out. Like I was driving right by Baker, you know, by, where the world's by, gr- by the biggest. Way, uh, by by the way, let me just say, Pete was listening to an audio book. He doesn't read and speed through the desert at the same time, right, Pete? No, I was. It was an audio book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm driving right by the uh, the world's biggest rectal thermometer there in Baker, <laughs> right next to uh, N- nicely Bun- situated right between two hillocks. <laughs> well, it's right next to Bun Boy. That's the name of a restaurant, dude. Oh, no. It was killing me. I don't think they even know. No, I think they planned it, man. And I was like, man, should I pull off? Because I'm like, dude, I don't want to get in a car accident. But um, I think it was. was, You don't pull over there, man. Those people are crazy and they (laughs) giant rectal thermometers. Don't stop there. You've seen the movies. (laughs) But but, uh, I think it was at our church. I think, I can't remember. It it might have been at our church. I don't remember who was preaching. It was either you or Charlie or, or, or something. Um, but someone said somewhere in our, our travels, um, you know, the, the height of human arrogance is to think that we have even an hour left to live. Mm, that's so true. When you talked about that girl, I was thinking, I was, I almost commented, well, you know, like that girl, she's not guaranteed tomorrow. She's got to run at it with everything that she has. I mean, you know, I don't talk about this a lot, but I mean, you know, we were talking this morning. I was, I was talking to Pete on the phone for the podcast and the garage door almost came down on me and. I was laughing saying, you know, kind of like Patton when uh, at the end of that film, he's like been in all these explosions and battles and he's a tank commander. And all of a sudden, like, you know, uh, an ox cart runs out of the way and, and almost kills him. And he, the the last line of the film is he says, well, you imagine after all those battles killed by an ox cart because he almost died. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and so I was laughing because I have died. Like, you know, a lot of people don't know that. Like, I, I died on an operating table. I was gone, man. For 20 minutes, they kept blood, oxygenated blood going through my body. But I was gone, and I was with the Lord. That's a whole other story. Um, you know, but, I mean, I've, I've been there and back, man. You know what I'm saying? Most people only get a, a one-way trip. I got a round trip, you know, extra bonus. But, you know, you're not guaranteed. And so part of that, you know, and Paul too, I actually believe that Paul had a near death experience when they stoned him and left him for dead. Yeah. I I think he might've had more than one. Yeah. I mean, you know, they usually don't screw up when they stone you. You know what I'm saying? Like they usually know what they're doing. Yeah. I I think if we lived in the shadow of our own mortality every day, it'd be good. But, you know, uh, just getting back to this real quick, you asked a question earlier, is it good to write it down? And I, I always like to quote, Habakkuk 2, verse 2, where the prophets told, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reason. I just kind of want to like end with this um, uh, because by doing those three things, Habakkuk was told, or Habakkuk, however you say it, right? Augustine or Augustine. Um, but anyways, Habakkuk, he's told to make the vision permanent, clear, and transferable. So by writing it down, he makes it permanent, right? And if you're a talker like most church planners, you know, you can talk to, you can winsomely persuade people to a cause. I mean, it's part of what you do is part of the leadership bug. But often when we're done talking to people, they don't remember what we said, even like our most brilliant sermons. 
you know, they come away with an emotional impression and maybe an impact on their soul or maybe mm. their, their will ready to change. But they don't remember really what you said by Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and writing it down, writing that vision down means you can hand it out at that meeting, but you've also put something permanent in their hot little hands. Now, they'll forget the feeling. That's the funny thing is I'm saying they retain the feeling. That will actually go away. What will last is that piece of paper. Each time they go into their Bible, they're going to grab that piece of paper, read it, and those feelings are going to come back. Those feelings are going to come back, and then they're going to be ready to go out. So that's the brilliance is they will reread that, and it will bring back those feelings when they're all fired up. Number two, he says, make it plain. So he says, write down the vision, Habakkuk, and make it plain. Um, it needs to flow. It needs to have singular clarity. You need to answer the W questions, what, who, when, and how. Um, but it needs to be really, really clear. Like, um, you know, you might, you might think like, oh, I've read books on missiology and I could, I could rock, uh, people's socks off. But, um, you know, people often don't get like, if you're using big flowery language, keep it really simple, make it plain. Make it so that that 12-year-old girl can understand it. And number three, make it transferable. Okay, he says, make it, uh, write it down, make it plain, um, so that he who uh, takes it can run with it, so that he may run who reads it. So he's saying make it transferable. What you really want at the end of the night is you want people to be contagious. We've talked, we've come back to that, you know, again and again and again. You want them to be able to run away with it and go take that piece of paper and communicate it to other people. You want this news to spread. It's vision. Why would you not want vision to spread? Not everybody's right for your core team. And, you know, when we talk about core teams, we're going to come back to Pete's question, which was, what about when people are on your core team and they shouldn't be and this and that? This is part of building your core team conversation. We'll continue it. But you at least want for your core team members at that vision night, you want them to go grab people because they know people that the Holy Spirit is sovereignly calling to be a part of your team. And you're just making it uh, a lot more, uh, you know, well, you're following the scripture, eh? And, you know, I mean, let's face it, you know, we're, we're saved through hearing, but the reality is that God wrote everything down for us, didn't he? So mm-hmm. it would be, uh, what, what were those three things I said? so that it would be permanent, clear, and transferable. That's what God did with the gospel. You need to do the same with your vision statement, your mission statement. So if you need help with that, um, you can always email and uh, contact me uh, over at uh, Newbreed. You just email that website. And by the way, we have uh, a project that we're working on, Pete. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to tell them what our secret is. If you want. Okay, we have, and I'm going to post this first episode online at the New Breed website. Um, we may put it on the Facebook page as well, but we're actually collecting funds. We haven't started a Kickstarter. What we're asking is for people that uh, get the magazine and listen to the podcast to donate. We are trying to raise $20,000 right now. 10000 goes for editing. 10000 goes for some of the other stuff connected with it. But we are finishing up a film, which is how to train your core team. So the most commonly asked question that we get is, how do I train my core team? So what I want you to know is this. We have filmed in the UK like six sessions. And the first one is done. We want you to see it. And 
you know, when someone asks me, like, how do I train my core team? We've done it for you. We've basically put a lot of what you've heard on the podcast, but, you know, this is for you as the planner. But what about your core team? How do you bring them into everything that we're talking about? How do you make sure that they get all this information and they get it in an appropriate way? Because I've said a lot of things I would never say to your core team, but I've said them to you listening here. So uh, we need help with that. There's six sessions. We need them to finish getting edited. The the editor is a one of our church planners in the UK. Um, he is a professional director. That's how he earns his crust. And he has done it for us at an extremely cheap rate. Each episode is about 15 minutes. And if you want to give, look, we're at the end of the year. If you want a tax-deductible donation, you just go to that website. You give through MoGive there. You click on the Donate button at newbreedcp.org or newbreedchurchplanning.com. They both go to the same site. You click on the Donate button, and we are a registered 501c3 charity. So you will get a tax deduction for that. So you can either give it to Uncle Sam or you can give it to the work of church planning. And guys, again, we're looking to raise 20 grand. And uh, a lot of you guys gave for the launch of Church Planner Magazine, our Kickstarter. And we're just asking you, uh, in the new year, we'll start a Kickstarter because you don't get any tax deduction for that. But we want to ask you if, you know, you've kind of been praying about what to do. Watch the video at the website. And uh, please, you know, uh, And the video is meant to be used as... You're sitting there with your core team and you play that session and then you as a core team are able to then, uh, you know, go over with the workbooks, what's talked about in the session, but as a core, as a, as a team. Absolutely. So it's not just, it's not a DVD where you just sit there and your core team watches that for an hour. We're talking, you know, much shorter sessions, but it's meant to be the catalyst to then you can take the workbook as a core team, go through it and putting together, you know, the things that you need to put together that week. Absolutely. And, and, and it's what's needed. So when, you know, Pete was talking about like crazy love, you know, you've all seen like the, the, the Francis Chan videos, it's the same thing, but for a church planning core team. So you're sitting there with them guys, no one's made this. And, um, right now, you know, I've talked with, uh, my publisher, um, we wanted full control over this. So we're not, we're not going through a publisher. We're, we're going to publish it ourselves. Because sometimes publishers get in there and they want to control stuff or change the name. And this, the name of the series is going to be Jump School and nobody's made one. And we're just, we're, we want to encourage you guys to be a part of this. This is going to be hot and uh, we're doing it for you. And you guys are going to, you're going to thank your lucky stars. Cause I tell you what, when I was planting, this is what I needed. And almost every church planner that comes through asks, you know, what do I do now? So once you get past that vision meeting, this is something in future that you're going to be able to come back in the next few weeks and say, guys, we're going to go through a six-part series, 15 minutes a night, and then you guys talk for the next 45 minutes about it, and you hear your people's hearts, and you instruct them more. So you're doing most of the work, but we're providing a lot of the background, a lot of the backdrop. So it's pretty cool stuff. Cool. And then a couple of other things real quick as we're signing off. Um, We've set up a voicemail line, so if you'd like to leave us a message – uh, that we can include in the podcast. If you've got a question on something you want us to go over in the podcast, you can leave us a voicemail, and the phone number is 562-553-0004. So it's 562-553-0004. Call it, leave a message, and uh, and we'll take those. And, and as we go throughout the podcast, we'll start to answer those. Or if you've just got a, a kudos or a, a problem with us, <laughs> 
which we get some of those too. Go ahead and call there and leave it <laughs> so we can hit the delete button. But um, <laughs> but and but and but and don't forget to say what your favorite underoos are. Oh yeah, ooh, that'd be great. That'd be that'd be fantastic. Absolutely. And then a uh, centralized conference coming up January twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty fifth in Costa Mesa. We'll be there. We'll be doing podcasting live from there. We're going to be shooting videos. Um, we want to know if we're going to see you there. So, uh, you know, you can leave that on the, uh, the 562-553-0004 number as well. Yeah, and if you're doing something kind of interesting, you're like, hey, man, I want to get on the podcast um, or I want to contribute an article, hit us. You know, that's part of the reason. We want to get a face-to-face, get to know some of the guys out there that are listening. And uh, you guys are growing all the time. So uh, at conferences, we'll get a chance to get to know you a bit. And that's, you know, this is all an organic thing, man. We're doing this because uh, we, we we trust you. We, we're proud of you. We we believe in, in, in God's call in your life. If you're church planning by now, if you're listening to episode 26, you know it ain't easy. So all the more respect for you guys. Looking forward to meeting you. And last thing that we're thinking about doing, and we'd like to get your opinion on this, if this is something you want us to do. Um, but right now we're toying around with the idea of helping you guys kick off 2014. And one of the ways we're thinking about doing that is doing a daily podcast in the month of January. Mm-hmm. Um, so Monday through Friday, five days a week, probably be shorter, probably about a half hour um, each day. But uh, but that's what we're thinking about. So let us know if that's something that you think would benefit you. Uh, if you like our podcast, then you know, call us. Let us know, 562-553-0004. All right. Well, hey, this has been episode 26 of the Church Planner Podcast. We want to thank you for joining me and Pete. And we want to remind you that if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 